1: As mentioned last week, we're going to do something a little different today. It's like speed dating with some of the GAINS regulars. We have five guests, and each will share a quick insight on where they see markets right now. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. We're going to have five guests, and we'll get their take on current market conditions. Okay, let me set this up here. Markets are stuck in a defined range, and we've talked all about that. We've seen some pressure recently over the weekend on the banking system, and Fed policy is clearly still a big driver for markets. So there's lots to talk about, but first off, I want to have a real quick discussion about Bitcoin and our million-dollar Bitcoin forecast. All right, so first up today, Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, CenecalCapital.com, that's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, Capital.com. Bill, always great to have you on the Gains Podcast. Andy, thanks for inviting me to be on again. It's great chatting with you. Yes, and we're, you know, we're, we're having quick discussions today. We talk stocks and investing in markets, but... One of the specialties that I bring you on is crypto. In fact, on December 7th, 2022, December 7th last year, we made the case for a million dollar Bitcoin. At the time, uh, Bitcoin was trading a, a below 17,000 a token. Uh, we saw the long term value. Made that forecast. Now, million dollar Bitcoin actually, you know, going out a couple years here. But uh, since that time, we're a couple months removed, and uh, I-, I saw Bitcoin at one point today, just recently, around twenty five thousand a token. It has pulled back a little bit as of the taping here. So let's start there, Bill. Um, tell us uh, your thoughts on. Cryptocurrency at these current levels, you know, recap that million dollar forecast and let's just start the combo with crypto.
2: When we had that conversation in December, it was an extreme call. And I, I know that. I mean, I said it right out. I said this is an extreme call. But 2022 was a year of extremes. We saw it in the rally of the U.S. dollar, the decline in, uh, in, in bond prices, huge decline in bond prices. And the market and technology just got taken out to the woodshed for a beating. So I felt kind of comfortable making that call only because extreme was something we saw. So at the same time, look at what has happened recently. We've had an incredible decline in the US dollar. We've had lately, you know, with this uh, all the news going out on the on the Silvergate Bank and Silicon Valley Bank, we're seeing QE potentially coming back on again. And again, the the stock to flow ratio, which is a popular and common forecasting model for Bitcoin Puts Bitcoin at over $110,000. And we're, we're already a few months past that. So we missed that, that target. End of December 2022 was supposed to be around 105,000, 106,000. But in the next two years, we anticipate Bitcoin because of its fixed supply, the halving cycle, and another round of what could potentially be QE. is We are keeping our fingers crossed for that million dollar per token forecast price for Bitcoin. I know it sounds crazy. I know it's extreme, but those are the times that we're living in.
1: We've seen a ton of volatility last year, as you mentioned, in crypto. And you know, looking at the chart and 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 making the same case that we did several months ago. Uh, I mean, we are on on target, and and the things that we talked about, the value that we see long term, all of that's still in place. I'm still very comfortable. Uh, buying at these levels, like I've said, dollar cost average into Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, will be a, a good thing long term. I think you and I both agree with that. And th- just some of the recent developments, as you just mentioned, in the market, to me, make crypto even more attractive.
2: Well, there's more and more conversation of many countries doing a central bank digital currency. We apparently have um, some of the regulatory bodies, on one hand, taxing, fining, uh, you know, large cryptocurrency companies without even really having a regulatory crypto framework in place. So I will say that if Michael Saylor is correct and that there is no such thing as bad publicity for Bitcoin, we are going to see some people move really quick. The regulators come up with a framework that these companies can work on. This is the technology of the of the next hundred years. Blockchain is it. It's not AI per se. It is blockchain, and Bitcoin is the ultimate number one player here. And so, it, it seems to me that there's almost no negative situation for Bitcoin. If they, what do they say? First, they laugh at you. Then, or first they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they attack you. And then you win.
1: You and I have been in in through multiple cycles of crypto. We've both been interested in and uh, knee deep in this for a very, very long time. And every single time you see, especially Bitcoin, if you look through multiple uh, cycles, you see it peak and you see it sell off because it often gets bubbly. And then you see it sit and people turn away from it and there's an opportunity to buy and then it starts climbing. And again, I've always noticed it's when it starts really moving, we're gonna see that again. And it, it, it comes in cycles. And, and one thing I wanna point out, each time it, it, it has that bubble and it comes back, it's still much higher. And every round, there's way more adoption, way more people know about Bitcoin and That's cryptocurrencies cool. now versus a, a year or two ago, even more so than five years ago, and you know, people who like you and I who first discovered it like ten years ago, uh, you know, there's so many more people who know now. So, you know, we've seen this develop, and you know, this is just the path that it's going to take.
2: I mean, Andy, politically, what did, what did we see when the Bitcoin white paper first came out? The um, the text, the the content that was inside the very first Genesis block that Genesis block that Satoshi Nakamoto put in was. Chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks. We were already; They were already in round two of bailing out the financial system in 2008. And now potentially, if this is a contagion and not just kept to a few banks, if this is the contagion that people are anticipating, people like Peter Schiff, where the bond market is just not going to recover. I mean, we have a huge debt issue. We have a huge, uh, again, concentration of long-duration bonds. And, uh, in, in, in an area where the Federal Reserve raised rates from almost zero to four and a half, 4.5%. So here we are potentially on the brink of a third bailout for banks. And if that's true, then Bitcoin is going to lead the rally, lead the bond market into what could be an amazing, amazing rally. And look at it. Look at our year to date returns SP 500 up 0.42, Dow Jones Industrial down 3.78. The XLF Banking Service Exchange Traded Fund down 7.51%. Bitcoin up 46.18. Ethereum up 36.98. Silver down 9.38. So I'm just saying, last year, everything got thrown out with the bathwater. Bitcoin, bonds, stocks, QQQ, everything. Everything. What didn't, now what seems to be, is things are normalizing, right? In Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency, is now, for the moment, q one keeping its bargain as a non correlated non systemic uh asset class, a place to go for protection and i and i we just have to see how it plays out i don't want I don't wanna get too ahead of ourselves. We still got to go from you know twenty five thousand five hundred or twenty six thousand in Bitcoin to above sixty four thousand back up to one oh eight and then from there potentially to a million dollar plus
1: well i'm I'm liking that forecast, and I'm sure glad. We talked about that back in December. As we wrap up our conversation here, focusing on crypto, what's the quick takeaway, Bill?
2: You have to do your own due diligence and not really pay that much attention to mainstream financial news. Even before cryptocurrency came out on the scene, it's you've got to be a bit contrarian in your uh, investment decisions. And there is no quick takeaway because this is all kind of complicated contrarian conversation, and that is when bond prices are 4.5%, that theoretically lowers the fundamental value of of the, the value of stocks, and it makes you want to sell fundamentally. But that's where you should be buying. And when interest rates are low, when it's peak value for stocks, that's when you have to be selling. So there's a you have to you have to have a spirit of being a contrarian in this business, Andy. I don't see other any other way that it works.
1: This is two contrarians speaking to each other. We both know right. our conversations on this podcast, on the Noon Business Hour, off air, is you know contrarianism. When everybody else is zigging, I'm zagging. When everybody else is zagging, we're zigging. We're we want to be ahead of the crowd and and. You generally do pretty well by that. All right. Hey, big thanks to Bill Uliveri, owner of Cenecal Capital Management in Glenview. As always, check out the website, SenecalCapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, capital.com. Time for a technical look at markets. Let's bring on Jim Welsh. You know him, macro strategist and portfolio manager at MacroTides.com. Dot com. Jim, always great to have you on the gains podcast.
3: Always uh, great to join you, Andy.
1: We've talked about how we are kind of in that range between the highs that were posted not too long ago and the, those lows that were put in at the end of last year. Where are you seeing the market right now? Technically, uh, there's been some news, too, as far as bank failures and the Fed's in play, and we have... Had some inflation data now as well. So just wanted to take uh, get your take on markets from more of a technical standpoint.
3: Okay, Andy, in my March 6th weekly technical review, I thought that the s and was likely to drop below 39.40. That's the 200-day average. And if it did so, it could drop to 38.15 to 38.45 and uh, yesterday got down to 38.09. Today's high almost brought it back to uh, 39.40. Effectively what happens when you have news-driven selling and selling pressure increases significantly, more often than not the original price low is not uh, the final price low. So in other words, if selling and pressure uh, is too intense, typically you get an oversold bounce that can be pretty impressive. But more often than not, the reasons for the original selling wave don't disappear overnight, and you get another leg down very often where the S&P will go to a lower low. But market internals, market breadth and so forth, uh, are less negative. So that's my expectation is that we're going to have a bounce, and then I think there's another leg down coming uh, with the S&P getting below yesterday's low at 3809
1: And we've been kind of talking about this for a while, Jim, so uh, nothing overly new for the regular GAINS listener, but um, for those people out there who they don't really know what to do, there's a lot of uncertainty, Uh, what's your advice for them?
3: Well, again, I think the overarching uh, driver of the market, and you can't, if you will, ignore fundamentals when something very significant is happening. And to me, the significant thing is that the Federal Reserve is intent on raising rates and holding them at the high level and causing the economy to slow materially, potentially entering a recession in the second half of this year to make sure that inflation comes down and then stays down. And historically, when that does happen, Andy, uh, you know, earnings get hit. Uh, The P.E. ratio for the S&P 500 Uh, declines. So to me, that is the other shoe that is likely to drop. So we may get some positive news in the very short term that the the banking troubles that we've seen over the last week are contained, don't spread to the overall system. But I I believe that the Federal Reserve is still likely to raise the funds rate by 25 basis points at the March 22nd meeting. So the point being here is the Fed has a goal in mind. The only thing that would uh, change them uh, you know, to go to a different course is if the economy weakened more materially. Uh, it looks like it really is going into recession. Or the other thing is, no, the problem in the banking system isn't contained, and we start to see more uh, problematic banks uh, begin to appear. So to me, I think people need to tread lightly because the risk of a more significant decline, either because the banking troubles do persist or because at some point in time, as we get near mid-year, I think we're going to see the economy show uh, more signs of slowing. So as you know, um, from the rally low in March of 2020, the S&P rallied from uh, 2,290 or 2,190, pardon me, to 4,800. Um, we got as low as 3,500, give or take, last October. So my belief is, Andy, I think technically the odds are when this bad news comes up on regarding the economy, the S&P is going to make a trip back down to 3,500 and potentially down to 3,200 if indeed a recession materialized in the second half of this year. So uh, th- that to me just says – Um, it's time to to continue to be cautious uh, in this kind of environment, because I don't see where the good news from the economy, you know, stuff that would support a sustained rally is likely. Obviously, if we get good news on the banking problems not spreading, yeah, that's good news. But that's a short-term fix to a short-term problem. The bigger issue is the coming, I think, recession and why the Fed is, uh, you know, kind of, Uh, you know, going to stay the course. Uh, And Chair Powell has said this repeatedly, you know, that the the greater risk would be to ease policy too soon rather than hold it tight and have a recession. So that's their mindset. So something fairly significant would have to come along to change that.
1: Jim is never shy to tell it like it is. And uh, the charts have been a valuable guide. So, uh, hey, big thanks to Jim Welsh, Macro strategist and portfolio manager at MacroTides.com in San Diego. Real quick, before I let you go, Jim, you got a little love for the uh, gains <laughs> listener. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll send you either the recent uh, weekly technical review or the March Macro Tides, which looks at a lot of the bigger issues. So, yeah, send me an email, Jim Welsh Macro at Gmail. And as a faithful listener to Andy's uh, Gaines podcast, I'm happy to send out uh, one of my recent publications.
1: Yeah, and take Jim up on that. A, a ton of great information and a little bit more detailed than we can normally get to. Now let's talk about bear market fatigue, and we'll tap into the Blue World Asset Managers Index. Let's bring on Matt Mategan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. Matt, always great to have you on the Gains podcast. Always great to be here, man. So, uh, a lot of uncertainty with markets right now. They're kind of like in the middle of a key range that we've talked about and we have been watching. The Dow theory is still bearish. We've had a little bit of uh, movement in the banking sector, to say the least, as of late. The Fed's in play. A lot of things going on right now. Would love to just get your take on things, Matt.
4: Well, uh, continuing with the Theme from really the last year, uh, it, it's a very, very dangerous time, a very uncomfortable time because the markets are, a- at this point, completely untethered from the economic reality. And, and of course, our favorite barometer is our own Blue World Economic Index. Uh, for, for the sake of... of perspective in comparison, the COVID low reading for the Blue World Economic Index, and again, real quick, what the index does, it doesn't view economic reporting through the lens of an economist. It views it through the lens of uh, a business manager trying to evaluate what this particular report is saying about the economy in in total. How, how does it triangulate with all the other reporting? And takes into account the current report, the 12- and 24-month trends of the report, and then the trends get a higher weighting than the current reporting. So during the COVID lows, uh, the absolute low was a negative 24 for the index. That's as low as it got. Right now we are sitting at negative 52, and yet the S&P keeps crossing the fence. Uh, Between just over 400 or 4,000, I'm talking about the spiders, Uh, but the S&P is just over 4,000 to just under 4,000, and the only thing that makes less sense to me that you and I have talked about a 100 times is I cannot tell you under these inflationary circumstances – why gold is not ten thousand dollars an ounce
1: you and me both i'm right there with you on gold it's it, why isn't it much much higher but go ahead
4: and and that's just uh, my my hundred thousand foot view of the markets is uh it, it, it's a very very precarious time because eventually economic reality always catches up eventually and Anything that we see coming out of of policy, frankly, uh, is not doing anything to alleviate anything. And as long as that continues, as long as there's not a fundamental change, uh, there's really nothing but, but air and, uh, frankly, a desire to have the markets do well – is the only thing propping it up right now because there aren't any economic fundamentals
1: doing it you and I've talked about this before talk about bear market fatigue you know a lot of times with markets you've seen sell-offs and then you get kind of a quick bounce back and you know business as usual this is obviously a lot different and I think what's your advice for individuals who have bear bear market fatigue who are like they've been sitting on their hands for a while they want to do something Even myself, I'm experiencing bear market uh, fatigue. I want you to kind of talk about that and and your advice for individuals. For individuals,
4: it continues to be uh, keep the defense on the field. Whatever that means, uh, if you're working with an advisor – Uh, be very, very clear that you want to be in a defensive posture. And there are 10,000 different strategies, all of which are effective to do that, uh, certainly some more aggressively than others. Uh, But for individual investors, whether you are managing your own portfolio or you're working with advisors, learn about defensive posture. That doesn't mean you have to keep all of your money on the sideline. It certainly means that right now cash is king and you want some dry powder available. Uh, you don't. I, I wouldn't push my chips all in at this point, certainly. Uh, but there are defensive plays out there to make. And, and we talked
1: about a lot of those over time. Absolutely. There are some defensive moves that you can make. And then you often talk about this, Matt, about other asset classes as well.
4: Sure. Uh, Energy is still doing very well, and uh, things like – I know I've talked about UGA, the UGA, that's the gasoline fund. uh, That has held up extremely, extremely well over the winter. Well, we're heading into the summer months, and anybody thinks that uh, inflation in energy is going to remain tame – Uh, probably needs to rethink that. Again, we're heading into summer and people are going to drive and those prices are going to start going up. So energy, uh, certainly a place to be. Metals, uh, always a demand for metals. Uh, But as you and I both know, the field is quite narrow right now. if, If you are uh, if you're able to do options, if you know about options, if you know about futures, uh, there are certainly defensive positions that you can put on, in addition to simply concentrating on equities. But those require that you have a a, a pretty substantial knowledge base, or work with someone who does.
1: That's key advice from Matt Mategan. Uh Hey, keep the defense on the field, and his uh, Blue World Asset Managers index is certainly pointing that way as well. And again, thanks to Matt Mateegan. Hey, real quick, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new GAINS episode drops, we drop GAINS episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll continue our discussion after a quick break. Up next with some advice for individual investors, Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors in New York. Jim, great to have you on the GAINS Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. A lot of uh, uncertainty in markets right now, and that's why we're bringing you on. One of our go-to market guests on the WBBM Noon Business Hour just wanted to get your take on where we are With markets right now, uh, we're kind of in between uh, those highs and then the uh, lows that were put in last year. You know, lots of uh, uncertainty with uh, recent uh, failure of banks, the Fed's in play, all kinds of things in play. So, Jim, I just wanted to get your take on markets right now. Are you bullish, bearish, and where are you on the uh, recession combo as well?
5: okay, so we're we're flying through a lot of fog at this point. There are a lot of uncertainties, and we don't know the answers to those questions yet. The most immediate is on this banking situation uh, for the moment, we seem to have recovered, and there is stability. but I'd say that 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 is temper could be temporary and transitory. We have to see whether there is a resumption of fears about the banking system and particular banks. And the next few weeks, we'll tell that. The second is that we're anniversarying uh, the, the start of the, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. And we know that they take effect with a lag. And we're starting to feel the effects. So the question is, uh, will all the 500 basis point increase in, in rates that the, the Fed has accomplished over the last year? Will they break something? Uh, will they uh, uh, cause a slowdown in the economy that could be a recession? Uh, We don't know that, but we we, we ought to know over the next uh, several weeks. The third is, how much further is the Fed going to go? Are they going to do just 25 more and stop and wait uh, or continue to be aggressive? And then next, uh, what's the effect of all of this on corporate profits at a time when stocks are fairly valued, neither undervalued nor overvalued? So I think we're in a trading range until we uh, resolve some of these uncertainties. And let me point out that uh, you're gonna start uh, a first quarter earnings season in a few weeks, and that should start to give us clues on what corporations are saying and thinking and what their forward guidance is.
1: What's your advice for the individual investor right now um, who's just really uncertain what to do? Well, I would say in the
5: long term, you always win in equities. And that when there uh, there are days or weeks when, when equities are down a lot, you want to avoid the emotion of the moment and accumulate the stocks in high quality, uh, long term growth companies uh, with a two or three or four or five or 10 year outlook. And you'll do better in those than you would in cash, bonds, uh, or most alternatives. In the short term, uh, it probably pays to be cautious. You're still getting paid uh, a lot. Uh, on on uh, six month and twelve month uh, Treasury and corporate uh, paper, so you probably want to lock in some five percent returns. Uh, but uh, uh, also examine alternative investments. There are some of the, some of those that are now becoming available to individual investors in real estate, in credit, in distressed credit, and so there are some opportunities in non traditional investments. So I'd say a combination. Of long term growth equities, alternative investments, and short term 5% paper is a good mix at this point.
1: Are you dipping into any stocks that have been beaten down? You know, some of the high flyers have really gotten crushed. Are you nibbling it all on those, or are you still kind of uh, being cautious even in that category, yeah, that sector? For the
5: companies that don't make money. That uh, went up when the, when when uh, uh, money rates were zero and got overextended and overvalued. That's in the rearview mirror. You don't you don't buy those uh, uh, th- th- those technology stocks and and uh, or, or concept stocks. Uh, that was that that time has come and gone. On the other hand, the quality growth stocks, you know, the apples, the Microsofts of, of the world. Uh, to the extent, the, the Googles, the alphabets, uh, to the extent that those stocks are, are down from their highs and you have confidence in their future, and, and I'm using those names editorially, do your research, but th- those types of stocks you can definitely buy on days and weeks when the market is down.
1: And Jim, as we wrap up our conversation here, what's your, the key takeaway you want to get across to our audience?
5: Uh, that you win in equities long term and never pays to be too, too bearish on America. Don't get carried away with the emotion of the moment, but be prepared for continued uncertainty over the next few weeks and even months.
1: Thanks uh, to Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors in New York. Finally, we have him on all the time. He's a Dow Theory expert, which is bearish right now. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Verizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. Got to check his website out, UpsideStocks.com. Love having you on, Chuck. Thanks for having me back, Andy. We have been trading in right in smack dab between the two ranges we've been watching in uh, as far as the Dow Theory, maybe skewing a little bit to the top side. And, you know, we bring you on to talk Dow Theory. Dow Theory is still clearly bearish. Where do you see markets right now? How does the Dow Theory uh, fit into all of this?
6: Well, it's, as you mentioned, the primary trend of the market, according to the Dow Theory, is bearish. Right now, the, the market's in a, in a bit of a holding pattern between, uh, you know, significant high levels and significant lower levels. And uh, we could, you know, it's quite possible we could remain in this trading range. But in order for that primary trend to change from bearish to bullish, we really need some nice upside breakouts, especially in the Dow Jones Industrial Average above that November high, which is around 34589 uh, on the Dow transports, it'd be nice to see a breakout again above the the fifteen the fifteen thousand level. What seems to be coming back into play here, though, are, are those September lows, which are around twenty eight thousand seven two five, on the industrials and about eleven thousand nine 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 on the transports. So we're kind of locked right now in that trading range. And however it, it 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 resolves this trading range, either to the upside or downside, will have obviously important ramifications for the broad market trend.
1: And what are you telling your clients right now? I think a lot of people are uncertain what to do. And, and and as mentioned, we're right in those that, you know, kind of in between the highs and lows that we've been looking at for a while. Uh, I, what, what does the individual investor do right here, Chuck? Yeah, I think you,
6: you first make sure that your portfolio is allocated properly to, to regarding your risk profile in our investment time horizon. And then if you, you know, let's say, for example, Andy, that you, you determine that your appropriate long-term mix is 70-40, for example, or 70-30, for example. Um, so, you know, it, given it's a primary bear market trend, we would say instead of being at 70, 70% equity, maybe you want to be more closer to about 53 55% equity, have some powder dry, see how the market breaks out of this trading range, um, before you commit more to, to the market. So we're not we're not saying that you should be out of the market entirely, even though the primary trend is bearish. What we're saying is, you know, figure out what your your optimal allocation or your favorite allocation level is and maybe scale that back a bit um, and, and keep some powder dry because you're probably going to get some buying opportunities here.
1: Are you with me? I, I just kind of have this feeling, and I just think things are still setting up where we do the retest, and I think that would be extremely healthy. Wanted to get your take uh, on that.
6: Yeah, no, that would not be surprising in the least. I mean, we've got a lot of things that seem to be breaking out there, to use a phrase that we've heard a lot recently. And, you know, we've, we've had kind of a, uh, a run on a couple of banks. You've got some fragility, apparently, in the banking system. Uh, you've got inflation that is still seemingly upside. Yes, the, the rate has been coming down, but it's it's still at elevated levels. And so you have some things and how all this is going to factor in with corporate profits here over the next couple of quarters is is a bit of a mystery too. So there are certainly things out there that could push this market down to retest those September lows. If we do get a, a retest of those lows though, it would be a little, it'd be a bit tempting to maybe start to put a few bucks in into the market because, you know, that would represent pretty good value at that point. So yeah, I would I would keep an eye on those September lows that I mentioned.
1: I know you're not an all or nothing shop, but it, for a degenerate like me, I'm waiting for that because if that happens, I am definitely going to be backing up the truck. Uh, there's uh, I've been doing just very minimal things. I'm just kind of waiting for that clarity. And so what is your takeaway from our, our conversation today, Uh, As we are in this range. Yeah, you know, it's sometimes
6: it pays to be a patient investor and and let the market tell the story and the market will tell the story eventually. And, And that story will be told how the market resolves this trading range. So, you know, I would I would stay patient if you see some opportunities out there and you have some cash, you know, feel free to take advantage of that. But I wouldn't be committing. A lot of fresh equity here and fresh capital here until we see how this trading range is resolved.
1: Always appreciate having Chuck on the Gains Podcast. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. Be sure to check out that website, UpsideStocks.com. All right. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's an option for you. I've been told that's podcast gold. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then.
0: A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey.